Optimize My Life, the ultimate radio show where we unlock the secrets to living our best lives. Now, before we dive into this exciting journey of self-improvement and empowerment, I want to take a moment to thank our incredible sponsor, The Hope Collection, for making this show possible. Their unwavering commitment to spreading hope and positivity in our lives is truly remarkable. We believe in the power of interaction, so we want you to be a part of this incredible journey. Call in, write to us, or connect on social media. We'd love to hear your questions, experiences, and challenges. Together, we'll create a thriving community of like-minded individuals, supporting each other to thrive and shine. Well, Happy New Year, everyone. It's Tuesday, and Roadmapping Your Life with Heather Mahoney is back. Yay! We're so excited that we get to share the house of some incredible women as they redesign their life after the ending of a relationship, maybe a career stop, a health or financial crisis, and unfortunately, maybe the loss of a loved one. Tonight, we have an amazing story of Barbara J. Hopkinson. And she's going to tell us how she redesigned her life. And we're going to pepper it here and there with some questions, as we usually do. But as usual, Barbara gets to tell her story and a little bit of interruption here and there from me. And welcome, Barbara J. Hopkinson. How are you? Oh, thank you. Hi, Heather. I'm very good. Thank you. How are you? (laughs) I am terrific, and I hear you are you are doing hazard duty here because you have a storm that's raging outside. Yeah, I do. I have a storm that's raging outside and some stuff is blowing around and over my office. And so you might have a little background noise, hopefully not much, but it's uh, windy and raining and blowing and tossing things around. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, well, background noise is so common here. Because I have a little four-legged partner named Henley, <laughs> and when Henley okay. decides that he needs attention, he just lets out and let me know. It. <laughs> so it's perfectly okay. We we okay. roll um, like a, like a truck rolling down the highway, and we flow like a river. We we go around bends and around. Obstacles, nothing stops us. Like nothing stops you in your life. So that's how we roll around here. <laughs> okay, so good. We're easy. We flow. So the format here, there are no prepared questions. And we just let you tell your story. And here and there, I may ask a question about basically, I want to get to the feelings of what you were feeling at the time, because I know the results is amazing, but we want to get the feelings of what you felt, and most importantly, how did you do it? Because while everything may be familiar or similar to most of us, 
we like to know the hows because that's what really we find that's important. How did you do it through all of the storm raging inside and outside your world? What was going on and how did you navigate those challenges? <coughs> Excuse me. So, Barbara, tell me about you. Okay. Oh, my goodness. You know, it's, it's funny because you, you talk about all different kinds of career challenges and things like that, and I've I've gotten laid off after, you know, 10-year jobs after 10 years at IBM, as a matter of fact, when I had like a $6,000 a month mortgage and uh, <laughs> and had to dig out from that and get creative. And in and, and, and that particular instance, I started – I actually live on the ocean. I started renting my house and moving out of it summers and uh, and, and renting it by the week, and that <laughs> – paid that off but that was nothing compared to some future challenges to come after that because um, I've actually lost three children and my oldest after my 21 year old died my 30 year marriage fell apart Um, and he he was 21 and his brother was 19 and it's because of the grief and everything was everything was kind of falling apart I actually attempted suicide but uh, luckily it became a turning point for me so that I actually went and started a uh, a local support chapter for families that had lost a child, grandchild, or sibling. And that was very healing for me to, to reach out and help others. Um, and then I uh, met another uh, great guy and got married again, and we were married almost 12 years, and he had a to make a heart attack on his way to work. And, what, um, and he had a widow make her heart attack on his way to work. So he was just gone suddenly. So I was already a bereaved mother. And so then I became a widow. Um, And again, kind of being lonely and, you know, just all the things you don't expect. And then I was um, training in the gym. I was actually training to swim in a triathlon and um, went into the, I was, you know, already, already dried off and changed, but went into the ladies room on my way out and, um, I walked fast, and they'd, they'd wash, they'd put too much water on the floor and didn't put any sign out, and I hydroplaned and went up in the air and came down on my head on ceramic tile, and uh, bottom line is it detached the retina. I lost the sight in my right eye, and then 10 years later, I, uh, I had to have the eye eviscerated or enucleated because it was shrinking, and the pressure was, was becoming too painful. So, <laughs> so, And then after my husband, uh, my second husband died, um, a couple of years later, and I thought I was ready to start dating, um, I became the victim of a romance scam. So I've kind of okay. done, and I've already, I had already lost both parents and when I was younger and, and things like that. So I've, I'm very familiar with all different kinds of loss and grief, and I actually started a nonprofit um, to help others with grief. And I've, I, I had a support group for 20 years, and I've been doing the nonprofit for 10 years and uh, reaching out and helping others is a big healer. Um, uh, so. I thought I had a story, but you have a story. Wow. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. I don't even know well, where to It's made me pretty resilient. <laughs> Pardon me? I said, I don't even know where to start to ask you a question. Oh, my <laughs> goodness. I, that, did you write a book? Actually, I do have a memoir. It's called The Butterfly's Journey, Healing Grief After the Loss of a Child. And I released that, I think, in 2013. And uh, and then I have, a, as part of my nonprofit, a but, which is also called The Butterfly's Journey, with F-L-Y-S, it's possessive, not plural. Um, 
I uh, actually have three main things. We have a, a free online resource center. Uh, I've got an advanced certification to teach grief recovery method classes, which are the only evidence-based methodology. And then I do these faces of resilience photo shoots at grief events, which are about open expression of grief, loss, and love. And I, do a, I have a photo book uh, called Faces of Resilience also. And then I contributed to a few other books as well. Oh. But those are the two that were that, that are mine totally. Because your story is so incredible to me, and it's uh, there's so much resilience, and you're like a phoenix. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> I, I really don't feel like much of anything can take me down, you know. After, especially after losing children, but um, yeah, I'm. You know, it just the little things don't bother me. You know, I'm 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 happy. Um, you know, looking looking into pursuing the next phase of my life. I've, I still have my uh, my uh, my remaining son, and I've, I'm from my second marriage. Three adult stepkids that I'm close to. I have five grandkids from age one to age six. There's a lot of happy things in my life, and so I am happy now and looking forward to the next relationship and next set of <laughs> adventures. Whatever. Okay, so let's go back a little bit in okay. your story. Because, you know, okay, so the first, which came first, the first accident or the loss of the child? <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, the loss of, I lost three children during a 30-year marriage, and then the okay. marriage fell apart. Okay, so all, I, I'm going to presume or that mm-hmm. all that grief and hurt and disappointment and all of that kind of like compiled in, for lack of a better way of saying it, lack of communication or, you know, how did you communicate in in that that period? Well, I mean, there was the first one was we were seven years into our marriage and we had a miscarriage and then we had two healthy boys and when the boys were six and four, our third son was stillborn. So those were, yeah, very trying. Um, but, but you know, we had our we had our moments, and we had some therapy and things like that that we had to go through. But we hung in there. And then it was several years later um, when my 21-year-old, who had chosen to go to military high school and then got a scholarship out to Arizona State University, was on his way to being an Army pilot. And when he died in a motorcycle accident at age 21, that really shook us. But by then, you know, the marriage had other issues. So I would say it was not the fault of making the marriage fall apart, but it was a catalyst in making the marriage fall apart. But we had already separated a couple of times and, you know, usual struggles. (laughs) You know, I'm nosy in, you know, I think like when my marriage fell apart, it was like, I knew I wasn't happy and I thought he wasn't happy, but I didn't know how mm-hmm. to say, are you happy or not happy? And then mm-hmm. what came in and says, I, uh, I filed for divorce. You'll be served next week. Man, was I angry. Wow. Yeah. I, you know, I, was, I, I was kind I, of a shock too. Yeah. I but. was blown away with anger and, mm-hmm. and and it took a long time for that anger to dissipate for me, where today yeah. I can say 
thank you to him because had he not done that, <laughs> I don't think that's where I know. He would be shocked. Well, no, I'm also much better off, and I had a much. My second marriage was much better than my first marriage, even though it was not as long. Uh, but I maybe because you're more mature and you're you know what you want, or you work at it differently. Or I mean, I was 21 when I got married the first time, and we were together 30 years. So, but yeah, no, I was also very angry. I went through a lot to get past to get past that. Let's and yeah, and, forgiveness. And that, yeah. yeah, and it's like, oh, today they laugh because I still, you know, here and there I'll call him by his name, but I always say in, in conversation with people, I always say the ex-husband. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the ex-husband mm-hmm. is like, but it's, it's okay. Um, it's like, <laughs> okay, so you had that challenge, and, and that was in itself. And then you said, okay, there was a a career stop in there where... uh, Yeah, I I worked at two different companies. I guess three different companies uh, for for 10 years each, but one of them I left voluntarily and two of them I got laid off because of conditions in the market, you know, where they laid off. One of them was closing, one of them just made a huge shift. And so that was that was difficult. So the last one that was IBM, I was with IBM for 10 years. And... um, and you really become part of the culture, kind of an IBMer. But they, it, would, it was the end of the dot-com crash when mm. um, they laid off thousands of employees, you know, and then they put some, some employees in, the, uh, in emerging markets. They shifted a lot of their resources. So, um, but, yeah, and then, like I said, I'm not sure it was that one or it was the other 10-year one. I had just opened the house up, and we were replacing all the windows, and we were in the middle of a $50,000 project when I got laid off. I was out for, I think, seven months, and my ex got laid off a month after I did, and he was out for six months. So that was a real <laughs> challenge. Oh, wow. And then so you said you did um, – you rented out the house. Oh, that was a different time. Okay, so we got past that, right, and that's when I got the job at IBM. And then later on, um, after my, when my second marriage, uh, when I got laid off from IBM – um, I had yeah, I had a big mortgage from buying my ex out of my house uh, and getting my remaining son through college. So, so um, when I got laid off from there, yeah, that was that was a big challenge. So we actually, uh, I like sold you know sold some stock. He had he had some uh, rental properties, sold one of those, and we kind of kind of narrowed it down. We got rid of the home equity loans and the extra stuff to get it down to a basic mortgage, which was still like 4000 and we hobbled along for a while until I found something else. <laughs> but oh. but it, it was months. I mean, it was, yeah, it was because I was, I was not a spring chicken at that point, right? So, <laughs> you, know, you know, that's so true. I know when the ex-husband left, um, I was the major income producer mm, in the Me family. too. Me too. Yeah. When when that left, my son was um, in, mm, I think, between elementary and junior high school, and he was in private mm-hmm. school. And mm. it was like, oh, okay, oh, what do I do? And he's like, send him to public school. And it's like, what? Never gonna happen. <laughs> yeah, I could, my couldn't really understand why I didn't sell my house, you know, because I, it had a lot of equity in it, 
And I said, yeah, no, because I'm not after that, my son. I'm, he's lost his brother. His father's moving out. I'm not moving his home. <laughs> you know, he's a homebody. You know, you and I think alike because that was my thing. <laughs> it's like he didn't know any place, any other school. Yeah. Because that's this, he's been in that school since he was three years old. Right. And he's been in this house since the day he came home from the NICU. It's like mm-hmm. he, I wasn't going to go anywhere else. So I started a residential cleaning service. And I, and, oh, cause I, you. And I, I clean houses. During the day, Good so I can pick them up from school. And, yeah. you know, today I'm making more money in this business than I did in my regular business before. <laughs> Good, Good yeah. for you. That's great. Yeah. But but it, it was it was funny. And, you know, I, I just could not see myself giving him additional stress of moving him from his school to something else that he didn't even No, I get it. Yeah. No, after all that and after some of the other things that had happened, I mean, I went through a period, right, I took in laundry for a while, you know, for kind of a national laundry service. You just do what you got to do, you know, I, I, cut, cut a lot of costs, cut out all the extravagances and 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 do things like that to supplement, just piece things together. I've done that several times. <laughs> I, I, I'm telling you, it's like, yeah, I don't watch that XX TV channel. <laughs> I did that. So, um, so um, but there's a period there that you started a nonprofit. Oh my God, and that is mm-hmm. amazing. And thank you so much for doing that because oh, so nice. many people don't know one. They don't know the questions they need to ask. And after you turn 18, you totally. Forget how to ask for help. I learned that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And well, so, it's very healing. I think I instinctively knew that reaching out to help others would help me heal. So when I started the first one, I started two of them. So I started the first one. It was a local chapter of a national organization, the Compassionate Friends, which is the largest grief organization in the world. And it was really helpful to share, to go out and, you know, share with other people going through the same kind of thing and helping them through it. And I did that for 20 years and just I'm in the process of transitioning to to another couple. Um, And then the second one is because I wanted to do something broader than loss of a child, you know, to more to help others with all different kinds of loss. I think the the, uh, grief recovery method said there's 43 kinds of loss. I mean, you know, it's not just in addition to, to death, right? There's just, there's so many different kinds of loss that people have to grieve and do grief very well in this, in this culture. No, no, we don't. It's just, it's like, you know, I don't want to pick out any particular um, people or culture but it's such a foreign language that you can't learn. I don't even know where in the universe it falls. But um, <laughs> and we like to do it alone, but we don't want to be alone. Right. And, well, also isolation is is deadly <laughs> for yeah yeah for depression and for grief and things like that. And everybody suffers grief, but yeah, we don't like to talk about it much. So that's why. I started doing these Faces of Resilience photo shoots because literally what I do is we go to a grief-related event 
like national conference and uh, set up a photo booth with professional, you know, lights, photographer, the whole bit. And then we encourage people to express themselves about their grief and whatever they want to say. We, I write it on their skin with a washable marker. And so it washes right off, but it's, it's cathartic and it's, it's visceral because it's right on their skin. And we take their, as many photos as they want, individuals, couples, groups, whatever, even with pets. And then we professionally edit it and send it to them. So then it's a catalyst for them to talk about their grief. And it's very so, powerful. You know, my mind is, is way we're thinking here. You only do that in the Northeast, or is that national? No, no, no. I've done it all over the country. I've done it in the Canada, the Caribbean, London. <laughs> I'd like to do it much more international. I've got, a, again, my first book, Faces of Resilience, a photo book, but I want to do a whole series of them. Um, yeah, no, I'll do it anywhere. Just need some help and, with expenses. And the reason why I'm, I'm zeroing in on this particular topic is that Part of my business now focuses on people with Alzheimer's. Okay. Mm. Yep. And, and it's a it's not it's not necessarily a grief, but it's a loss. Sure, it is. Of course, it and is. It's, yeah. And it's a loss of the moments or the memories, and yep. it's. And it's more difficult on the the partner who has the memory, right? And, you know, the, so photo shoot that you're doing, it would be such an amazing. What's the word am I searching for? I, I I'm not sure of the words yet, but I'm gonna say confidence. Memory, or, say, yeah moment or the memory uh-huh. for them yeah. and they may not be able to talk about it because one of them may have lost the capacity to do that mm-hmm. but have those moments with them or to take even from existing um, things and create that particular vehicle Mm-hmm. That that they can travel down the road. I, you know, it's just an idea or something. Yeah, and, no, I understand. It, mm-hmm. it, it, I was it, just going to give an example. We had, we had taken with my second husband, and he was um, around for a couple of the photo shoots that we did, and we did a picture together where he was very tall, and but he was I was sitting down, and he was kind of leaning over with him with his arms around me, and on our skin was written, "Take nothing for granted." And um, and then I hadn't even seen that photo for a while, and I found it the night he died. Oh wow! And it had wow. been we had taken it two nights before, and I found it the night he died. So that was part of how I used it to announce it. And it's like, yeah, talk about <laughs> poignant. Yeah, take nothing for granted. Right. It was, wow. It was that, one of the more that, powerful ones. Yeah. Yeah, very powerful. Very. Very, very. If you can, if you can kind of conceive the, well, he's got his two arms around me and my two arms folded in front of me. So it's got the four of our arms. And those are the four words. Take nothing for granted. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> oh God, I'm so sorry. That that must have been. Uh, oh, thank you. A lot of crying moments that moment. Yeah. It, it, it's just uh, like. Wow. 
So, yeah, people say some amazing things. Yeah. Anyway, go know, ahead. You know, like I said before, you're the phoenix rising from the ashes of <laughs> of of whole. You, you literally are the phoenix bird. I swear, I swear to you. And and so funny, your um, your son who passed away went to um, went to Phoenix <laughs> for yeah. college. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> He loved Phoenix. He was never coming back east. It's funny. He grew up here, but he loved the desert, loved Phoenix, that area. <laughs> I went out there for the first time. Uh, I'm going to say three years ago. I am a super crazy, insane nutcase about the eagles. And, nutcase about uh, evil, is that what you said? Yeah, the eagles, the, the music band. Oh, eagles. Oh, I thought you said evil. Yeah, eagles. Yeah, I got it. Go ahead. (laughs) So um, I have a girlfriend that lives out in Phoenix. And when I think it was COVID, they suspended the tour like everybody else did. And when Mm -hmm. they came back, I said, oh, let's go to California to go see the eagles. He said, why go to California? They're coming right here. (laughs) So it's like, oh, okay, I'm coming to Phoenix. Yeah, great. <laughs> so I went out to Phoenix and I did my pilgrimage. I went to um, Winslow, Arizona. <laughs> okay. To stand on the corner and take my picture. And um, the next night I went, to, we went to the show in Phoenix. And instead of saying, um, you know, standing um, on the corner in Winslow, Arizona, they said standing on the corner in Phoenix and everybody screamed their head off. Amazing. Oh, <laughs> that's funny. Amazing, but um, so you you rose from the the ashes of the first husband. You met the mm-hmm. incredible second husband, and faith mm-hmm. would have it. Oh my God, that he passed. So you create um, from that. You created your second nonprofit photos that you're doing which I think is just incredible and my head is spinning with ideas on that part of it <laughs> and um, you know you had the career stop which led you some things so what have you know what has been that greatest joy in all of this in craziness and, and for lack of a better word I can't even think of it are these on unspeakable events in your life, what was the one thing that was carrying you through all of this? Well, it wasn't all along, but I got to tell you the greatest joy in my life are my grandkids, right? Kids are, grandkids are so much better than kids. (laughs) I love all my kids and stepkids, but oh my God, the grandkids are amazing. So certainly, but I mean, they've just, they've just been around the last six years. So they, you know, they weren't around through all of this, but I think my son, of course, um, I mean, we were very close and, you know, he lost his brother and his father and, um, and he was close to my, to his stepdad and stuff. And, you know, he, he's, we've just, he's been very kind and very, we're very close. And, uh, he's, he actually ended up going to a culinary college, got a chef, he owns his own restaurant and he lives half a mile from me, which is lovely. And he's got my two oldest grandchildren. So, you know, yeah, that my son and family, yeah, family and friends, 
yeah, they were amazing. And it, it and you really need to reach out. Isolation is is not good. And and I'm an extrovert, so I naturally reach out. But I really would reach out and force myself to get up and go out and do things, um, or call somebody. You know, if I was feeling down or. Um, I remember calling my sister, sister when I went through that situation. I was actually related to like a, what do they call it, carbon monoxide. I just I, something triggered me that day when after after losing my older son and realizing my 30-year marriage was falling apart, and something triggered me, um, and I just pulled it into the garage and closed the garage door and thought, okay. You know, it'll be done with carbon monoxide. But that gave me some time to think, and I realized I couldn't do that to my remaining son. And I called my sister, and luckily she answered the phone, and I got the heck out of here and went and spent time with her. And, you know, that, that helped. So reaching out to people, you know. I did therapy. I did energy healing. I did all kinds of all the stuff that I didn't know of before things like spirituality i get into and mediums and you know just different things that would help you with different especially when you and you lose lose people um you know those were all things that i didn't even think about before because i was so to my eyeballs and high stress jobs <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. but but when my when my son died i remember telling my boss at the time because i had one most of my bosses were great idea but one of them was not and i said to him look the worst thing that could happen to me has, you have no power over me anymore. I don't give a damn about your deadlines and your quotas. Um, I've got to work my way through this. (laughs) And, um, and, you know, he he was preventing me from changing roles within the company. And so he backed off and I did change roles. And then the next guy was much better, much, much more flexible and understanding, compassionate, you know. But um, it's just like it changes everything, and it makes things very clear what's important and what's not. I mean, crystal clear. So I don't put up with negativity. I don't put up with people whining about stuff. I don't, you know, put up with things that are just trivial and a waste of time. Because you know, once you've been through that kind of trauma, it's like it's just so important. It's so clear what's important and what's not. You just you just get rid of a lot of baggage. So would you, uh, and I love that you got clear and, you know, you you found your emancipation. I know I found my mm-hmm. emancipation through my divorce. Mm-hmm. Yep. Did you, did you evolve into this new self or was it there before and you were this or after all these events, you said, no, this is. <laughs> it's probably a combination of both. I've always been I've always been independent. I've never cared a lot about what people think. It was a gift from my father. Um <laughs> the um but uh you know but, but I think that it certainly made me stronger and and um and again, you know, again just made it very clear to me what was important to me and what wasn't. I I didn't care so much about other people's opinions of what they thought was important for me. (laughs) And what I tell people when they're healing is really keep an open mind as to what might work. I mean, I tried all kinds of things that I had never tried before when I was struggling to heal from the loss of my my older son, especially. Well, things like energy healing, right? I mean, I tried every conceivable type of energy healing, shamanic massage, reflexology, polarity, acupuncture, 
um, everything I could think of, and I had never tried any of that before. I mean, and I didn't, again, I started exploring. A butterfly's journey to me meant my journey to figure out whether or not my son's spirit continued and whether or not Mm -hmm. he was okay. And I'm absolutely convinced that not only was he okay, but all of our spirits continue and uh and i you know before that i was in a high high pressure job at ibm and before that in software companies we didn't talk about things like spirituality <laughs> you know we were just driving to deadlines and quotas so um so really taking the time to go through and figure out what all this meant in the big life scheme of things um was was eye opening uh and 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 you really it's like you never know what's going to help, and there's no magic bullet, right? There's not one thing that helps and clears everything up. It literally takes time. It takes work. It takes a choice. You have to make a choice to heal, and then you have to like, try things and keep an open mind and keep trying different things and try them more than once, and when something works, then you keep doing that and then try something new, you know, or, or something doesn't work, give it up, try something else things that you've never tried before because you just are you don't know like journaling is very powerful just writing down and I had never kept a diary but my younger son Brad bought me um, a refillable other bound journal when his brother died Brent and uh, I started using it just because he gave it to me six months after his brother died and I was amazed at how cathartic it was because you can you can just let it all out, get all the good, the bad, the ugly. Nobody ever has to see it. For me, it ended up being, you know, the beginnings of of, of, a, of a book a few years later. But um, it just was very, very powerful, you know, to, to be able to. And I didn't didn't know that before I started trying, before I started writing and journaling, you know, um, how healing it was. So how so, long? Just all. How long was mm-hmm. this evolution from the Barbara to the Barbara? Mm. Oh, wow. <laughs> I don't know. It's been, my son's been gone 20, 21 years. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So, and, and you know, and all these other things, so many of these things happened afterwards. Um, that, you know, it's kind of like you you fall off a cliff and then you climb back up and then you fall off another cliff. <laughs> and you climb back out of that one. So it's kind of a lot of mountains and valleys. Um, but yeah, it's not. It, it's it's and it's not like it's. Hmm. How do you say this? I, I, all right. So for one thing that was important to me, and it probably took me maybe three years to get to this point, when I started really thinking about after the loss of my son, started thinking about his life as a gift, not just a loss. And that if I had to make the choice to either never have known him or to go through the whole thing again, what would I do? And I know wholeheartedly I would go through it all again to have had that 21 years with him. So when I started thinking about his life like that, it helped me. That was a big turning point for me. And that was probably about three years in. <laughs> so but it's different for everybody. What go ahead. What was his gift I'm to sorry. you? What was his, his life? Gift? The fact that I had 21 years of him, and remember, we did mother-son trips. We had similar personalities. We would lock horns all the time. He was very, also very independent, very bright and driven. 
um, like I said, at 15, he came home from his first year of high school where he had flunked science, and we said, wait a minute, you're way too smart for that. What's going on here? He was starting to drink and smoke and test boundaries, and he decided he wanted to be a pilot, so he wanted to move out. He wanted to go to military high school. And so we went through, okay, well, we're going to spend your college money on your high school. Are you willing to help us get you through college? And he said, yes, okay. So we we looked all over the East Coast, and he chose a, a high school, and he moved out. from. We lived north of Boston in Massachusetts. He moved out and went to high school in New York at age 15. Um, oh, wow. And then he got a full scholarship out to Arizona State University. He could have gotten into West Point. It was the, the high school was the feeder school for West Point. But he was then tired of being in New York for three years, and he fell in love. We went to Arizona on vacation, and he fell in love with Arizona. <laughs> and so we got a scholarship to Arizona State University. And he was he had already passed his written aviation test. He was about to um, go to boot camp and and sign up eight years active in the army and be trained as a pilot. He was driven. Oh, so, wow. it, so I, was, I mean, yeah. but all the challenges I had with him and all the, you know, the mother-son trips. We, but we, one day we just did nothing but front seats of roller coasters Some on one of our mother-son trips. You know, he talked me into a bungee jump. You know, things like that. We just, it's like his whole life and his experience and his personality was such a gift to me that now when I think of him, I don't think about the pain and the loss. I think about all the fun we had. And 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 how much personality he had, and what a gift his life was to me. Oh, that's beautiful, absolutely Thank beautiful. You. I, I I love that, and you know what great honor to him, and to you mm. to to do that. Um, you know, quick separate story. My mom and I, we fought. Oh my God, did we ever fight? <laughs> Mm-hmm. And, and it wasn't a physical fight because I I would say honestly today I believe that the relationship I had with my mother was my expectation never met her reality. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so because of that, it seems like we, we just didn't agree on anything. And I was wrong, and she was always wrong, and there was nothing that we could do to create that harmony between us. And and we would have some semblance of peace for a little bit, and then, you know, something inconsequential will happen, and then we would explode, and then we wouldn't talk for years. Mm. Wow. And and so so that was the relationship we had. But uh, a friend, I met this woman who was a pastor at my son's school. Never went to her church, and I met her like at a Halloween event that the school was having. <clears throat> and her, she ran out of battery on her phone, and I took video. And she's like, could you email me the video of her daughter? Because her daughter was in the same class. And mm-hmm. and she invited me to her church. I went um, mm-hmm. just out of duty because I said I was going to go. And mm-hmm. she gave this message on Mother's Day about the, the role of a mother and the role of a mm-hmm. daughter and how okay. you put on a pedestal and that was always going to fail 
And it touched me so much. My mom at that time was in assisted living. And uh-huh. I I went to her her residence and I spent the afternoon with her and I apologized to her and I made my peace with her. And for the Good. the rest of her life, which was about three years, we found our peace. Good. That's we great. we found our peace and when she passed, she passed away from Alzheimer's. And uh, thank you. But her gift to me was create, help others to have an impact in their life. And mm-hmm. my, previous, uh, my previous occupation was HR. And I always wanted to make a difference in people's lives. And I mm-hmm. wasn't happy in HR, but when I started working with people with Alzheimer's and memory challenges, I was able to make a difference in their life, and it was so fulfilling to me. Yeah, great. And and so, you know, she, she passed away, what, mm, this year will be 11 years now. It was such a wonderful gift because I didn't have empathy before and now mm-hmm. I do yeah good and it's incredible so when you say the joy and his life and mm-hmm. the meaning and the impact it had on yours I totally get it now yeah great in, in such a way and it's such an honor to him and to you for recognizing that and living that to the to its fullest. So yeah. I, I and it and it really helped in the healing too, is why I tell people. I do resilience workshops as well, uh, conferences. So national conferences I often do a resilience workshop and a photo shoot, phases of resilience photo shoot. So we get to talk about some of these things and, you know, again, just trying to help people into with their grief. That's that's truly thing. So the um you know, we touched on it, um, you know, we touched on the relationship, we touched on the career stop and we touched on grief. We skimmed over the other piece that you said you encountered, which was the financial and I don't know if health was related because I grouped the two the financial and the health as 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 a challenge because I know I went through those and you had a creative way in uh, with your home and some of the things. So what were some of the other things, if any, that you did doing the financial redesign of your life? Uh, well, a couple of things. All right. So yeah. So when I when I got laid off um, and I had a big mortgage uh from buying my ex out of my house and getting my son through college and all that um that's when i i actually put the house on the market for six months and it's it's in a location that if you give it up you'll never get it back and so i really didn't want to but a friend of mine who was a shaman actually kind of energy based person said it's all wrong the energy's wrong you got to take it off 
And so I did, and I started renting it by the week, and I was amazed at how easily it rented, except what I would, then I would go and scrounge. Basically, I'd go find a place to rent for the summer and move out, and then move my second husband out. He was a really good sport about it, and uh, and rented the house and was able to pay it off that way. Um, so that, you know, over 10 years, I mean, I like rented it like 10 summers, but luckily the last um, time it, the person I was renting from decided to go weekly and it didn't make enough differentiation, but the last summer he was alive, we were home. So that was good. I was glad, you know, cause we were right on the, on the water, on the beach. Um, and then, um, yeah, it just, you know, a couple of times we had a, with my first husband, we, he quit his job and wanted to have a business and we bought a travel agency and it all went south and we almost lost the house but but again <laughs> scraped and salvaged it and then after my second husband died um, I thought I was ready to date two years afterwards and I became the victim of a romance scam I was more vulnerable than I thought and I'm still really kind of recovering from that so he stole a big part of my retirement and um, yeah so these things but, you know, you think that they're going to, like, like you can't get through them, but you can. You just have to get creative. I've just gotten creative about trying to do some, um, which is, you know, it's funny. It's not easy just finding another job because, cause again, I'm, I'm retirement age. So. <laughs> so that's, age discrimination is alive and well in the workplace, even though I've got a great resume, right? So, um but you just keep chipping away at it and you, you just, and believe that you can just trust that you'll figure it out. And you do. Uh, you know, very, very a, true. You know, like I said, I and, worked oh, in a for a while for mm-hmm. very long time. So yeah, I know. And part, part of what I did actually is I made an apartment downstairs after my second husband died for a little extra income. So it's like a separate, like one bedroom area mm-hmm. that people just to the garage and even through COVID. Cause I could just put a keypad on the garage but over the last couple of years or after the romance scam, I moved down there during the peak season when I could rent my upstairs by the week, but without having to move out, I moved downstairs, separate oh, entrance. So things exactly. like that, yes. You get creative with stuff like this when you need to. Exactly. And it's like you find out, it's like, really, it's not so bad. You know, no, it's not. It could be a lot worse, right? Yeah, I mean, I have my health, right? I'm healthy, thank God, because that's a lot harder to deal with. You know, um, I today when I look back at some of the things I, I had done, everything was legal. So let let me just start there by saying that, but. <laughs> You know, some of the, the things that I did to make sure that, one, the mortgage was paid, the insurance, is, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. one of the proudest things that I did mm-hmm. through, throughout the financial challenges that I had was mm-hmm. that I always made sure that my son's um, tuition, he, he went to private school his entire yeah. Um, <laughs> that was important to you. Yeah. Um, so I always made sure the tuition for his school was paid. And then the right. second thing that I always made sure of, and today I reap the benefit because it's so wonderful and I'm so proud of me for this. I always mm-hmm. made 
offered that his um, college prepaid and 529 um, were funded. And I kept paying those. So he's in college now. And, and, you know, Knockwood, wherever it is, I'm sitting beside um, my dad that the headboard is wood. But I don't have to worry about tuition. I don't have to worry about the meal program. I don't have to worry about um, dorm because guess what? Everything's paid for. Oh, that's great. Good for you. And so there is no stress about um, finding money to pay for um, books or pay for um, tuition or or meals or anything like that. Yeah, good for you. And and he doesn't have to work. And I I say to him, you are so blessed. (laughs) I want you to know that because many students in college today don't have the what you have. Yeah, true. And, and so I am super proud that I was able to keep that through throughout the process to think. Yeah, and, good for you. Yep. And I even um, bought him a car so that he has a car and, he, you know, he doesn't pay it and he just drives like he's crazy. But the... the um, but, you know, he has a lot of perks that that yep. are his and for the sacrifices that I made. And and there weren't really sacrifices. It was my priority to make sure that happened. Yeah. That's and good for you. Yeah. So when you say you got creative in doing this, yeah, I got creative because, yeah, you know, I wasn't going to concert as much because it was more important to save that money because whatever. Right. And now yeah. it's okay to go to my concerts again. It's it's funny when you talk about that and what you have to do. I mean, early on when I first got married, and this is before I had kids or anything, but we were just so broke, right? And so I can remember at one point I literally worked one full-time and two part-time jobs and went to school all at the same time. And I was I was literally I was working in an office I was working at a, like retail sales you know like in a at around Christmas time and I was delivering New York Times to uh, high rise to sky high rises in the uh, apartments in uh, New Jersey. <laughs> you just do what you got to do sometimes, Absolutely. you know. And and those came in handy because. You know, if you didn't do those then, you wouldn't think of being creative later because it's like, oh. And ladies, you know, you know, Barbara did it. I did it. There's so many talents that you have that you can utilize to create resources and not necessarily have to depend on someone or something to do. To do. It's like. Believe this or not, when yeah, COVID, plus it teaches you. I think it <laughs> teaches you a lot when you have to, yeah, work for something. <laughs> yeah, you know, absolutely. So you know, we're coming to the end, and this is the mm-hmm. only time that there are questions that, um, as I think of it, like I said, I don't have anything written down to say. Oh, I'm going to ask this question. Or I'm not going to ask this question. It's just a free flow of conversation that we, yeah. that 
and I engage in it, and I love the format of these. But, you know, um, thinking back on your journey as you traveled the road, what are you most grateful for? Oh, definitely my family. I'm my, you know, my the experiences of of not just my hus- my husband's but also my my children, especially and my grandchildren. Oh my God, they're just like yeah. I mean, they're really <laughs> the light of my life now. They're just my uh, priority and such a joy. You know, I, I walked and I babysat for a couple hours this afternoon. My uh, six and four year old and. Um, the six-year-old wasn't home from school yet, but the four-year-old was. And I walk in, and she can run it over to hug me. And man, I missed you. You know, it's like I'm sorry. I just like, what? Do, what do you want, kid? Anything? <laughs> you know? <laughs> it's like, it's just amazing. So yes, that's the anything to have. You know, to remain close to family and um, and help them, and just all the experiences has been absolutely the highlight of my life. Fabulous. If you could do something over, what would you do? Um, I probably would be act differently in my for my first marriage because that's that's always two sided, right? We split, but it wasn't all his fault. <laughs> it was my fault too. Um, I would take I would I would be better at not taking things for granted. In hindsight. Right after the loss, with anything, even second marriage, anything. Sometimes you look back and you think, "Ooh, why did I get upset over little things like that? That was a waste of time." <laughs> um, <laughs> fill in the blank. Um, I am resilient. And in a word, in a word. <laughs> <laughs> and um, you know, fast forward a little bit, and um, you know, as a wrap up, tell us more about your business and how can we get in touch with you. And oh, thank you, sure. And mm-hmm. who's your ideal client? Yeah, uh, again, for the nonprofit, which is A Butterfly's Journey, and there's the website is abutterfliesjourney.org, and that's F-L-Y-S. It's possessive, not plural. Uh, the phone number is 617-410-6309, or the email is barbara or info at abutterfliesjourney.org. Um, and, you know, my ideal client, again, through the, for the nonprofit, because I'm retired, but helping people is people that are grieving any kind of loss, you know, whether it's a loss of a person or financial loss or big changes in their life or whatever. The grief recovery method classes, uh, they have a a book and homework and they're only seven weeks long. I do one-on-one over Zoom or or in person if people are local, but, um, and it's, it's, it's very cathartic and very healing, but it's, um, you know, it's, it's, and it's very complimentary to support groups or therapy, but it's it's very effective. It's been 40 years written on, used on six continents and is the only evidence-based methodology for grief. So that's useful or people that want to have something like a, the Faces of Resilience photo shoots at events 
if they're doing some kind of gatherings related to that, that where that would be kind of a, a useful thing because people love it when they're doing it. They have to kind of see it to understand it. But um, but that's really the kind of the kinds of things. But and I, and I do a free um, talk if anybody wants to call and talk about you know, their situation and what options might help or grief recovery method classes. Again, it's 617-410-6309. And they get, I just want to a, help people. Mm-hmm. Do you have a group class, an upcoming class? Um, well, I don't, I haven't done groups much lately. I, I did groups, I did groups in person for a while. I haven't schedules get pretty, you know, difficult. Um, I'm thinking about starting another one online, but right now I'm, I do mostly one-on-one, or I might do a group, you know, but people that are kind of close to me in, in uh, Northeast Massachusetts. But uh, but I do do um, individuals, and I'd consider doing a group if we could, I could arrange and have people that you know we can agree on a schedule because it's you know it's, it's a couple of hours a week for seven weeks basically. Got it. And do you have a Facebook group or on Twitter? Oh, yeah, on Facebook, yeah, A Butterfly's Journey or Faces of Resilience is on Facebook. It's on Instagram. A Butterfly's Journey is, um, oh, God, it used to be on Twitter. What's it called now, X? X. <laughs> and, uh, but basically Facebook and Instagram, but especially Facebook. is Yeah, Butterfly's Journey and um, and Faces of Resilience are both on, face, on, uh, on Facebook and on Instagram. Okay. And you can reach me through that, Messenger, whatever, I'm on Facebook. Pardon me? No, I was going to um, say, and with that, this is Barbara J. Um, Hopkinson, her amazing, amazing story of how she redesigned her through the end in a relationship, career stuff, financial or health, cha- no health challenges, thank you, God. No health challenges, financial challenges, well, and except so except for my eye, the loss of my right eye. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She, yeah. Do you wear a patch? No, I have a prosthetic. Oh, please. My right eye is a prosthetic. <laughs> People can't tell. It's really pretty good. They did a good job I'm, with it. Oh, very very cool. So, you know, Barbara. <laughs> Barbara J. I want to call you Barbara Jean, but I don't know why. <laughs> Barbara it J. Is, well, my, my middle name is Jean, but it's spelled J-E-A-N-N-E. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> that's what it's intuition, see? Intuition. But such an amazing story. I thank you for giving me the time to learn how you redesign your life. Very creative, very intuitive. I love the phoenix in you. And as you rise above all the challenges that you will face, I thank you for your journey and for helping mm. others their grief and how to make that a little bit easier and asking for help. But if you want to find out more about Jean, you can reach her again. Give me one more time the phone number and email. Yeah, it's uh, 617-410-6309. Or info at a butterfly's journey dot org, which is the yeah. website of butterfly's journey dot org. Yeah. And so yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. It's been fun. Thank you so much. And this is Heather Mahoney and this is Roadmap in Your Life. And we will see you 
same time next week. Uh, hopefully no snowstorm or anything else. I'm in South Florida, so it's hot. <laughs> but, but you never know in South Florida what comes through. But we will see you again next week and enjoy the fabulous new year and see you again. Take care of you. Thank Good you. night, Barbara. Thank, Thank you. Good night Bye-bye. and happy new year. Thank you. Bye.